Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our free 633 event when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 called, When the Perfect Comes. Here's D.A. Carson. He says, this view assumes cessationism without warrant that the switch to the verb pusantai is more than a stylistic variation. Worse, it interprets the middle voice irresponsibly. In Hellenistic Greek, the middle voice affects the meaning of the verb in a variety of ways. And not only in the future of some verbs where middle voices are common, but also in the tenses. This is a little technical, but stick with me. The middle form may be used while the active force is preserved. At such points, the verb is deponent. One knows what force the middle voice has only by careful inspection of all occurrences of the verb being studied. In the New Testament, the verb prefers the middle, but that does not mean the subject stops under its own power. For instance, when Jesus rebukes the wind and raging waters, the storm stops. Same verse, Luke 8, 24, and certainly not under its own power. Here's his point. You can't make a good argument just from the Greek language that the word cease is anything but a synonym for the other terms in verse 8. Take a look. Whether there are prophecies, it will be done away. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. See, they make a big deal about the word cease there, but done away as a phrase is a synonym with cease. If something ceases, it's done away. Notice the repetition of done away when it comes to the word of knowledge at the end of verse 8. Here's my point. I don't want to beat this to death because I don't want to stand up here and be divisive, but I'll say this. I don't think there's a good case to be made that these spiritual gifts are no longer in operation. That's what I'm saying. Now, do I think they need to be done in order? Yes. Do I think that they're probably to be best used in a believer's meeting and not necessarily a Sunday morning service where you know it's a mixed multitude? I would say yes. But there's a place for these gifts. And when we get into chapter 14, we'll talk more about how they actually work. So the, the verb gain that Paul uses four times in verses 8, 10, and 11 is the one that we translate to set aside or to pass away or to cease. It's the same idea. For we know in part, hey, now we're at verse 9. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we will be done on time, I promise. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. All these gifts belong to the present and not the future. They are for now only. When we know fully, they will be unnecessary and obsolete. If you're taking notes, first illustration, our knowledge is partial or imperfect. Our knowledge is a partial knowledge, even of those that we hang around the most. And our prophecy does not explain the fullness of what and who God is. Our knowledge and prophesying are sufficient for us to be saved and to know God, but they are certainly not complete. Would you agree? How many times have you been in a Bible study, looked at a passage 17 times and went, I never saw that before. Wow. How much of the knowledge of the Almighty do you think we have? <laughs> we have some, but we have not begun to even plumb the depths of actually who God is. How deep and incredibly powerful he is. In Romans eleven thirty three, 
probably the greatest mind that the church has ever known, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Romans 11.33. Psalm 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. You and I will plumb the depths of God throughout eternity. Heaven is not going to be boring. You're going to be walking around for a thousand years just trying to get your bearings. Wow. 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 Streets of gold. Who, who cares? Wow. Wow. But your biggest wow factor is going to be able to see God. How many of you have just thought about that just for a few moments? To see God. The one who said, let there be light. And light said, okay. The one who said to the water, that's as far as you can go. And the water went, the one who speaks fish, go pick up Jonah now. Whatever that sounds like. Talk about the gift of tongues. Glory. We've only got a foretaste of the glory. We know in part. Sometimes people say, Pastor Michael, you know a lot of Scripture. Yeah, but I don't know all of it. <laughs> I know in part. I know parts, and some parts I forget. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Where are we again? I never <laughs> But when the perfect comes, 10. Here's an important word that you should write down. It's teleos. T-E-L-E-I-O-S. When the perfect comes. It's a word often used to speak of complete fulfillment, maturity. When the perfect comes, what will happen? The partial, which would include the three gifts named, but all the spiritual gifts, but the three most elevated in Corinth, the partial will be done away. Same idea. Tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, fill in the blank. When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. What's the perfect? That's the debate. Some people say the perfect is the completion of the New Testament canon. Okay. Do you think people reading 1 Corinthians in AD 55 thought that the perfect was the completion of the written Bible? I doubt it. And after the written Bible has come, we know things are imperfect, but their argument is what's perfect is the Word of God. Let me give the benefit of the doubt. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. So they say, ah, this is the completion of the New Testament canon. I don't agree. Second view, it's the maturity or establishment of the church or the maturing process of the church because teleos can mean maturity. So when you're mature, you no longer need these gifts. Say what? I would think that the more you grow, the more you would long for the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? So I don't think that that view holds water. Some people say the second coming of Jesus Christ is in view. That's the perfect. And I would agree, but I'm going to give you a little more definition here. It's the second coming of Jesus. Because perfect is neuter in the Greek. It's teleon. Eliminating the possibility that it relates to a person. So, well then what is the perfect? even though we know Jesus is perfect. But to be precise, the perfect is probably referring to the eternal state 
or the consummation or the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign moving into eternity, if you will. The perfect refers to the state of affairs brought about by the second coming of Jesus Christ, which inaugurates a golden age where the wolf and the lamb lie down together, where the lion eats grass, where the child could play at the hole of the cobra, where they will no longer hurt in my holy mountain, where the curse will be reversed and death will die and disease will be gone and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's the perfect. Oh, how I long. <laughs> yeah, you can clap for that. It's coming. It's coming. The perfect is coming. Hold on, dear saint. This is an imperfect time. We're in a broken world. But the perfect is coming. The only possibility by process of elimination of the perfect is the eternal heavenly state of believers where death has died. When Jesus Christ comes, the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, Comfort one another with these words. The perfect is coming. I was visiting a church member on Friday who has a, a hard diagnosis. Save a miracle, probably getting ready to go to be with the Lord. So we were talking about scripture and life. His daughter happened to be there. She's a beautiful saint of God. Very spiritual, grounded sister in Christ. So we were talking a little bit and we were by the bedside of this beloved brother. And she said, Pastor Michael, some years ago my grandmother died. I was 21. I had an incredible relationship with my grandma and my grandmother passed away and I wasn't able to say goodbye to her. And she said I was devastated. One night, the Lord gave me a dream. She said, I've held on to this dream for the last, I think she said 30 or 40 years. And it's, it's one of those ones where, you know, we, we can measure certain dreams, but there are other ones where, like, I think the Lord was speaking to me there. She said, I was in my childhood, childhood home in Orange County. I'm 21. And she said, I was in the backyard in a beloved home that was really a treasure to me. And she said, I was in the back of the backyard. Two men showed up at the front door, and there was my grandmother in her aged state, you know, when I remembered her as grandma. And they knocked on the front door, and these two men were with her, and she said, we, they walked in, and, and she was greeting people that she loved, like generations of people that she loved, and saying hello to them, and there were hugs and, and kisses. And she said, I was all the way in the ba back of the backyard, so I saw what was happening in the distance, but I was waiting my turn. Grandma, Grandma, I didn't get to say goodbye. She says, as Grandma passed sections of people, she was becoming younger and younger. And she said, by the time my grandmother reached me, she was 21, the exact age that I was. And we looked at each other. And she said, I wasn't able to touch her at that moment. But my grandmother was 21, my exact same age. And she got younger as she made her way to the back of the backyard. And I was like, oh, the Lord just showed you what it's going to be like. I've been saying 18. I'll take 21. I'll take it. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Join Pastor Michael Lance and his guest Seth Gruber at the next 633 event on March 22nd. Why do we believe what we believe about protecting life? Well, this event, 633 with Seth Gruber, is going to help equip you to know how to make a rational reason defense for life. You can do it from science, you can do it from logic, but you can also use the Word of God, of course, to make these compelling arguments. Register for the next free 633 event with Seth Gruber on March 22nd. Visit walkintruth.com, click on events, or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And I was like, Oh, the Lord just showed you what it's going to be like. I've been saying 18. I'll take 21. I'll take it. Can I get a witness? <laughs> oh, Lord, yes. My knees will take 21. My back will take 21. My hairline will take 21. My hair color will take 21. You fill in the blank. At the coming of Jesus Christ, the final purpose of God's saving work in Christ will have been reached. And finally, we will say, it's perfect. Right now, you get little snippets of it, right? You ever try to take the snapshot? With, you're with your family, or maybe you go to the beach, or you see a sunset, or a bird in flight. And, and you go, wow. How many commercials we've all seen? This is perfect. But there's this gnawing little voice in somewhere in here that says, no, it's not. It's not perfect. But there's a time coming when the Lord will put all this behind us. At the coming of Christ, the final purpose of God's saving work in Christ will be of reach, will be of reach, will be reached. At that point, those gifts now necessary for the building up of the church in the present age will disappear because the complete or the perfect will have come. This writer says, to cite Bart's marvelous imagery, because the sun rises, all lights are extinguished. The perfect state will be when we're with him. We will not, not even need the light of a lamp or the sun, for the Lord will be our light. And our gaze and longing will become love's touch. My faith will become my eyes. My faith and hope will become reality. Second illustration, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I be became a man, I did away. That's gain again, and it's done away as in the same idea of verse 8. I did away with childish things. They will be done away. A child's speaking, thinking, and reasoning are incomplete or immature. When a child grows up, he sets aside or does away with childish things. He discards things belonging to childhood like vocabulary and ways of looking at things because a child has a limited capacity. This is simply illustrative. A child normally has a limited vocabulary with which he or she communicates. Thought patterns of a child are immature, incomplete. That is exactly what an adult expects from a child. We're not downgrading those. Some of us long to be a child again. The feelings and thoughts of a child are true and just insofar as they are natural impressions of the objects which they relate. They are neither irrational nor false, but they are inadequate. They are undeveloped in scope or grasp. Do you see the illustration? Paul's just saying, when we're there in the perfect, we will have discarded the spiritual gifts which gave us incredible insight 
and gave us a touch of heaven. Like if you've ever experienced the gift of tongues, wow, you're like, wow, that didn't come from me. That, that's divine. You got a word of knowledge and you gave it to somebody for encouragement. You're like, wow, I became a channel of God's grace. But even those things will be no longer needed when the perfect comes. It will be like going back to your childhood and your childhood vocabulary. Why would you ever do that? You won't need that. That's the idea. Although some of us long for the days of the innocence of a child, amen? Sometimes I wish I didn't know what I know. Oh, Lord. For now, final illustration, third one. We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Some of us are saying, I've been trying to dim my mirrors lately. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, I like the dim light. Now we see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Now I know in part, then, so contrasting now to the perfect, then in the perfect, I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known. The fully known phrase there is probably how God knows us. We're not going to be little gods in heaven, but we're going to have a fuller knowledge, a more intimate knowledge of people and of God than we've ever had before. Some people are concerned, and I understand. Will my loved ones know me in heaven? Will I know them in heaven? Answer, yes! Yes! As Walter Martin so eloquently put it, you won't be dumber then than you are now. <laughs> Is it you? <laughs> now, you say, but you just said everybody's going to be 21, Pastor Michael. Yes. Will they have those mixer name tags on? Hello, my name is... I think we get a little foretaste of this when Moses and Elijah appear at the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter knows who they are. Shall we make three shelters? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. How did Peter know? Because Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus is metamorphosized and his face shone like the sun got a foretaste of heaven. We will know as we are known. That's Moses, that's Elijah, that's Michael, that's Daniel. I won't need an introduction. I'm just going to know. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So anybody that you want to meet in heaven, you can just go right up to them. Some of you are forming a line for Adam and Eve. I know. I understand. <laughs> Moses was unique. And this is just, if you want to read this devotionally, Exodus 33, 18 through 23. Because I have to stop in two minutes. But Moses had an experience with God face-to-face. -face. And scholars say that face-to-face -face is a Hebrew idiom for as intimate as you can get. Nobody could see God's face and live. Moses only got to see the back parts of God's glory. But Moses had an interchanges with God that were as intimate as possible this side of heaven. And Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And that's the idea of face-to-face -face here. Moses had this encounter this intimacy, he knew God in a special way, not like other prophets. That's what God said about Moses. I, I interact with Moses face to face. It's an idiom, and that's what we need to understand. It's almost like saying mouth to mouth, but it's, it's this idea of intimacy without an intermediary, if you will. And so, one day, my faith will become my eyes. I will know fully as I am fully known. I will know my loved ones who have gone on before me Christian brothers and sisters, people I've heard about over history, biographies I've read about godly missionaries that inspired my life. I'll know them all and they'll know me. 
Isn't that incredible? All because love came down to save me. But now abide or remain faith, hope, love. These three, but Paul will conclude the chapter by saying the greatest, the preeminent, the one that will last forever. You could debate whether faith and hope will last forever. Faith will be my eyes in heaven. Hope will be my realization in heaven. So maybe there's nuances of these that will remain. But here's one thing I do know. Love is the greatest and love never fails. It's perpetual. God is love. And so I would ask you to hang in there because love will never fail you. Richard Baxter says, Lord, it belongs not to my care. Whether I die or live, to love and serve thee is my share, and this thy grace must give. If life be long, I will be glad that I might long obey. If short, yet why should I be sad to soar to endless day? Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. He that into God's kingdom comes must enter by this door. Come, Lord, when grace hath made me meet thy blessed face to see. For if thy work on earth be sweet, what will thy glory be? Then shall I end up my sad complaints and weary sinful days and join with the triumphant saints who sing Jehovah's praise. My knowledge of that life is small, the eye of faith is dim, but tis enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. You're listening to When the Perfect Comes, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching finishing up 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A reminder, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you'd like on podcast. You can listen on our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iPodcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. You can listen to previous programs too. There's a lot to listen to when it's convenient for you. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast in your car or on your walk or whenever you feel like it. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth program on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the concept when the perfect comes is a beautiful thing to think about in a very broken world that we live in. There's a time when everything's going to be perfect. And that's amazing to think about. A time when Eden will be restored. A time when righteousness will dwell. A time when pain and sorrow and disease and and even death will be no more, and we will see his face. Now we see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Man, what a beautiful thought. And I, and I pray that that thought will encourage you as you wrestle with this world. That can be a crazy place. It can be a place that fills us with question marks. But a time is coming when the perfect will be realized. And uh, that gives me great hope, and I pray it gives you great hope as well. Well, we're coming up on a special teaching by Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook. In fact, Chris Van Hook, we affectionately call him Coach, is planting a living truth in Prescott. you got to say it that way, Prescott, Arizona. So keep him in prayer as he deals in a section on prophecy, the church, the gift of tongues, kind of bringing it all together. And Coach does a great job with this message. So looking forward to that. Hey, I want to express my appreciation on behalf of the staff of Walk in Truth and uh, just the the wonderful things that have been going on in this radio ministry. Many of you have reached out to us recently. You've 
uh, joined us in listening to podcasts. You've given to the ministry, and we deeply appreciate it. And I have to tell you that this is not my favorite topic, but we have to talk about it, and it is the topic of money. And here's the deal. We are at our fiscal year as a ministry, and so we look at everything, and we have to look at what radio stations we're going to remain on. And just to be blunt with you, we're going to have to make some tough decisions unless we get more support. And so if you've been thinking about supporting us, if you're able to give us either monthly support or a one-time gift that could help boost us, we want to add and we don't want to subtract. And I'm just putting it on the table here. But um, we do have to make some tough decisions if we don't have more support. And so that's just the way it is. That's the reality of life. That's the reality of that radio time does cost. And so if you're being blessed by this program, I'm just going to ask you to prayerfully consider reaching out to us today. We do need to hear from you soon uh, because we are going to be making some decisions about uh, where we continue to broadcast. So reach out to us at walkintruth.com. You can give online there, walkintruth.com, or call us at 844-48-TRUTH. Would you also do me a favor and be praying? Be praying that God will give us wisdom on what we should be doing and be praying that the Lord would bring in the support so that we can keep going. We, we have a passion to do what we're doing. We deeply appreciate your partnership with us. So reach out to us. We'd appreciate it. Walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. We appreciate you very much. Tune in tomorrow for a teaching by assistant pastor Chris Van Hook. You might know him as Coach and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 called Prophecy, Church, and Tongues. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.